This is the Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. Follow us on Twitter at RunPodOption or email us runpodoption at gmail.com. If you're listening and enjoy the show, please take a second to subscribe. If you're an iTunes or Apple podcast user, feel free to throw us a rating, write us a review. Uh, we'd appreciate it. So I, I want to I take a step back and talk about Saturday morning. So I woke up. Have you guys seen Minority Report? Yes. Yes. The a- I can't remember what they're called. The ACOGs, whatever the people that, that see the future... They kind of have like a like a seizure thing in the water, you know, right right when they're when they have their visions. And I, I woke up, I woke up Saturday, and I had a bloody nose. Ooh. And yeah, it was it was like really weird, right? And what I didn't realize is that in just twelve hours, it was almost to the to the minute twelve hours, the most wild ass game ever, UCLA. And Washington State would start, and that's what it was actually warning me of. <laughs> and what I did, because I hate myself, is stay up till two thirty Eastern time and watch <laughs> watch that in, watch that entire game. And I would like to talk to you about that now and the experience. I've got and I've got a question for you afterwards. Okay, okay yeah, feel free. So we're in the third quarter. I was going to hang it up after halftime, honestly. Washington State was handling their business. And with six minutes left, maybe seven minutes left in the third quarter, Washington State was up 49 to 17. And I even tweeted, it looks like UCLA is going to get washed, so I'm going to go ahead and log off. What happened after that mark, with 21 minutes of game time remaining, was UCLA scoring 50 points. Wow. <laughs> UCLA outscored their first three games in 21 minutes. <laughs> Chip Kelly said, oh, this is what the Pac-12 is like again. I'm yeah. going to do my thing. Yeah, he looked at the clock. He realized, oh, in fact, it is Pac-12 after dark and just decided to pour gasoline on it. And I've never... I've been a longtime enemy of the whole momentum theory, right? Because in football, it can't be measured. And what we think we feel watching it on TV or maybe in the stadium, momentum is really not a real thing, right? What are you talking about? This is me. Okay, this is me. This is, this is where it I was can, at before It can be that. measured. There was a measurement in NCAA football 2014. You're, you know what? I'd never even considered that. But since that game has never, hasn't been made since, I'm going to say that that's when my momentum, my momentum theory died, was purely on that. <laughs> okay. So I think I've changed my mind. Because I've never seen a team like UCLA look pretty average for most of the game. And then they looked like they could have taken Bama, Clemson, or anybody else with just how great they were and how bad Washington State was. Washington State turned the ball over six times. Four of them were fumbles. And if I remember correctly, it was three drives in a row that those fumbles happened. That's where all these points came from. Also... Probably the most important statistic was the Washington State quarterback throwing for nine touchdowns and still losing. <laughs> Did Mike Leach take a nap or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The weird part was... Well, the, the offense was great. It looks the, like. the offense was not bad. The offense was still doing its thing. They had a third and out and the punt returned for a touchdown. That's unfortunate, but that happens. But Gordon was chucking the ball still. They were running the ball just fine. It was just like the receivers did not know how to hold on to the ball once they got it. And they, and they coughed it up. And I've, I just don't understand how after the second fumble, someone doesn't take a timeout and just say like, hey, let's regroup here. Hold on to the damn ball. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> Dorian Thompson Robinson had, he looked, I don't even know a comparable quarterback. He was incredible. He, he threw for 507 yards. He had five touchdowns. He ran for another 57 yards. And honestly, it felt like more. It was, it was, uh, it was truly overwhelming. And I think I'm still hungover from that game. He also looked like trash against Cincinnati in the first game. He looked like trash at the beginning of this game. Like he had a couple good throws, actually. I'll, I'll be honest. So UCLA's offense looked better in that it looked like it was simple. It looked like it was. Not going to win in the Pac-12, but it was going to at least make it so they weren't going to get 
just blanked over and over again or tapped out at 14 points like I think they did for all three games prior to this. Yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson. I mean, I even tweeted about that too on the at run pot option on Twitter. Please follow uh, on how inaccurate he missed. He missed an open touchdown like very early in the game. And then all of a sudden they call that exact same play, but reversed, right? Going, going to the right side and it worked like a charm. And he, and he touched, he, he read th- your tweet. Yeah. He must, you know, you at know. halftime, at halftime, it must have hit my, <laughs> it must have hit the run pot <laughs> option Twitter and thought like this <laughs> thinks he has it figured out. We're going to show be, you, him. You became a, you became corkboard uh, material. Yeah. Yeah. Chip Kelly didn't care until he saw my tweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard they actually do put Twitter up in the locker room at halftime, so that makes sense. That is, yeah, it's part of it's, it. Helps people zone out so they can pee in a cup and make sure it's a certain color yellow before he'll uh, before he'll allow them to play any longer. Oh no! It's it's weird. It was it was a true example of what turnover luck can do to a team if you're on the other side of that, and I'm, I fully expect Washington State to just spank Utah next week because that's what that's what the Pac-12 does. Really? Yeah, I think yeah they've so they've won four four games. I mentioned this in our last show uh, that we had. Corbin they're going to cannibalize each other. Yeah, they're going to cannibalize each other for sure. But Washington State's had Utah's number, and Utah just lost to a team that runs a similar system, and they had a third yep. string quarterback uh, who definitely did not. It does not have the capability of throwing for nine touchdowns at least. <laughs> so here's my question. Yeah, your question. What are the chances that the Washington State UCLA basketball game matches the score? I <laughs> could be close. That's like Washington a... State's not a good basketball team. UCLA is really falling on some hard times. There is like a sixty-five to seventy-five percent, there's sixty-five to seventy percent chance that these two teams outscore those two teams. One hundred and thirty combined points. And there's a lot of college basketball that hits the under on that. Have you watched Big Ten? The Big Ten especially. <laughs> the Big Ten is exactly what I had in mind when I watched, you know, four years ago, Purdue scored 38 against a Michigan State team that scored like 42. It was just, it was <laughs> awful. Or Northwestern and Illinois going 38 to 34 or something like that. I think, I think in a way too early prediction – uh, give me the football teams outscoring the basketball teams. All right, Jeff. We uh, we touched on on USC running a similar system, and you caught almost all of this game, I believe, right? I did. I watched the entire the entirety of it. So, what do you think about Matt Fink? Well, it was fascinating because I had not watched USC this year, and they very much subscribed to the chuck it up to the five-star receivers they have offense, and it worked extremely well. So, I mean, he played out of his mind. I, there were just a couple plays where he was literally running backward and just chuck it up and get like a 40-yard pass. So, they're definitely big play. They, they don't run the ball well at all, but, I mean, I, I was impressed. It seems like he has a little bit of K.J. Costello in him. In, in that he can just he can get it to the receiver, uh, but the receiver is going to be the one that needs to do the hard work. Yeah, that's fair. And he was pretty mobile and actually was able to evade Utah's pass rush a couple times, and then he did get killed a few other times. So, And I think it's actually kind of interesting because Slovis eventually is going to come back. I'm not sure if they have him slotted for next week yet. It's This is Monday for who's listening. Maybe you have a problem there, but if, if all he's throwing up are 50-50 balls at some point, that's going to catch up with you. Can't trust a quarterback that wears number 19. Yeah, God. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's a rough one. 19 is a 19 is a really cool number, but for a quarterback, it's uh, we had it on this. Kyle and I were playing video games, and I had it on the second screen, and I said, Jesus, Kyle, there's – their quarterback has a number 19. <laughs> like, I never realized. And at first, I was like, I think Slovis has a number 19. I feel like I would have noticed that before because I didn't have the audio on. So, I didn't know that he got knocked out yet. And it's it's interesting, I think, for Utah to give up the game. And this is going to keep Helton on, maybe? I don't know. I, I It feels weird. 
having Utah lose this early to a USC team on their third string quarterback. I can't remember what the stat was, but I don't think Utah has beaten USC in LA in like 10 tries or something. So it's, they kind of had like the, you know, the monkey are back there and they, they, they should have won the game. They played, they played terribly a lot of the game penalties, dumb plays. Like they had, they probably should have won that game. I watched the last five minutes clean and they didn't, they didn't look very poised. No. They still looked, poor Huntley looked like he was kind of deer in the headlights, I felt like. But, you know, props to USC. And like you said, it makes it really interesting because, I don't know if this is true or just a fake report, but USC's new president apparently wants nothing to do with Urban Meyer, so that tells you everything you need to know about the a possible coaching search. I'll believe it when I see it. It's interesting. I mean, I understand because it's still, it's a lease you're getting there yeah. with Meyer. There's there's only so much time. And for a program as big as USC's, who's trying to kick a decade worth of mediocrity. I mean, since Pete Carroll left, really. Yeah. You got to hire somebody that you think's a long run. I think low key, I think Matt Campbell might be a really good choice if they wanted to go non-USC. Because he also seems like the kind of guy that would stay for a while. Yeah. And his Iowa State Cyclones won by 72 points, by the way. Or not by 72. They scored 72 points, <laughs> which is absurd. Going through the rest of the weekend, Cal beat Ole Miss by eight points. I don't know if you saw how this game ended, but Ole Miss maybe scored, but the refs didn't review the I call. I saw this. Pack 12 refs strike again. I guess, but it's also not definitive if it was a touchdown based off what I saw. And for me, letting a really, really poor Cal offense score all over you, really, you deserve to lose to begin with, in my opinion. Sure. But I mean, I I guess if there's a question, if the ball gets in, you know, you need to check it. That's kind of what that's there for. I know it wasn't called a touchdown, but... I don't understand the reasoning why it wouldn't have gotten stopped. Because I think he caught the ball at 12 seconds or 15 seconds, something like that. And by the time they were lining up to try to sneak, which coaches, you've got to have a better, you've got to have a better call in that situation. I know that situation doesn't come up a whole bunch, but that's, that's inexcusable to have just a weak ass quarterback sneak where everybody's not, you know, don't, don't know what they're, they don't know what they're doing. Old Miss allowed 357 yards through the air and four touchdowns passing Whew. to a, a team that is not offensively that good unless they've just pulled no. everybody up to this point for the first three games. Another team that I think might have fooled us, the University of Pittsburgh hosted the Central Florida Golden Knights and Pitt done up and won it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I I hate a win for Pittsburgh that uh, you know, gives them some sort of credibility. I don't like that. So do you? Th- okay, so that's that's my first question. Do you think a win over Central Florida, who hasn't lost a regular season game since two thousand six two thousand sixteen, do you think that's a a big time win? Um, I think at this point in Pittsburgh's career, uh, like their trajectory, like how they've been in the past five ten years, just like below average to average that's yeah that's a pretty big win for them it's a top 15 school um they weren't expected to win i i just i just don't like it whenever pittsburgh wins i'm yeah, sorry they, they were they were spent no, i think it's understandable <laughs> especially because pitt's an easy program to hate but narduzzi's also as proven in that penn state game very frustrating because he's obviously a talented Defensive coach, but for him to have his team prepared, apparently they were just looking ahead to UCF when they played Penn State because they they really outplayed them all but the third quarter. They they didn't look bad, and UCF definitely looked. I don't know if they weren't prepared, but Dylan Gabriel wasn't. He wasn't special until they got it rolling. It's a bummer for UCF. It's not a bummer for their fans because their fans kind of deserve it. They kind they're assholes on Twitter, 
And <laughs> but I'm not sure if Pitt deserves it or if this is just the Pittsburgh game that we we kind of joked about throughout this season where they're going to eventually beat somebody they shouldn't beat and it's going to be a sloppy game except the weird thing is they looked okay like they didn't look sloppy and then they let UCF back in the game and they took the reins again and went down the field and scored so it's it's kind of weird i think they might be sneaky decent like actually pretty decent here and it wouldn't surprise me if they end up winning the coastal uh, really again dude i hope not but Yes, great. They can win it at eight and five this year or something. It'll be great. I mean, they've lost to Virginia. That's what hurts them. Virginia's going to have to lose it more than I think Pittsburgh's going to be able to win it. But when you look at the rest of their schedule and just conference games at Duke, at Syracuse, home against Miami, at Georgia Tech, home against UNC, at Virginia Tech, home against Boston College, there's not a definitive loss in that list. No. At all. And their defense is going to keep them in the games most of the time, I think. Uh, Syracuse might have the best chance to, to smoke them. Maybe. It's up there. They're probably the closest to UCF's offense is the only com- comparison I'm making there to even reach that. And it's up there in Syracuse. But, you know, Pittsburgh is just a pain in the ass for Syracuse every year. When we saw it last year. We went to what, double overtime with them. and. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was a frustrating game. Um, and this is the same, this is the team that Syracuse got into a shootout and ended up losing, what, 71 to 63 a couple years ago? It was a 76 oh, to 61. I just pulled it up because I was just 76, reminded 61. That. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's always, it always turns into a stupid game when we play them. So <laughs> I don't expect to win a game, but I guess if we're going to do it, let's do it up at the Dome. The transitive property is inherently flawed because I don't think Penn State's bad, but when they played Pitt that close, I think it was, man, Penn State's really lucky that Pitt is kind of shitty. But then Pitt played Virginia tight for most of that game. They beat UCF. I, I have no idea where Pitt goes from here. They're an enigma. They go to seven and six. They go to seven and six like every other year. Did, did they get their seventh <laughs> win in a bowl game? Did they not play a bowl game last year? Was it them that got their bowl game canceled? That was Kansas State and Boston College. Ah, uh, okay. Wrong, wrong seven and six. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was Boston College uh, was definitely one of the teams. I can't remember the other. <laughs> okay. But the lightning storm ended up calling it off. While we're there, actually, uh, Kyle, tell us about the Syracuse game. After a couple of tough weeks, you know, one of them to be expected against Clemson. The other one, going to be a tough game when you're playing your second game of the season and it's your second road game. You're going to a hot Maryland team, and damn, they looked good in that game. This was a game that Syracuse needed. They had a bit of an, an offensive breakout, and they got back to what they, they've been doing well, which was which what they did well last year, which was um, really you know speeding up the game, uh, getting the, getting up to the line, throwing quick passes to the outside, uh, letting their quarterback run. DeVito had a couple of really nice runs. Looked a little bit more athletic than a lot of people probably gave him credit for. And <laughs> I, you know, I I've told Marty this a couple times. You know, DeVito is way more athletic than people think. He's just not six four two thirty and Eric Dungy. You know, right? He's not looking for the contact. But I mean, on that first drive they had this past week, uh, it was. I think four plays and they went 81 yards, no passes. It was all runs, oh. including a 60 yard run by DeVito on a beautiful fake pitch and then run up the middle. And then Moniel can't one up the middle. Uh, they had a, he had another 36 yard run for a touchdown. Defense was a little bit banged up this week. Uh, in the secondary, both Andre Cisco and Melifonwu were both hurt. So that's two starters on your, in your secondary. So having to overcome that against a pretty good Western Michigan offense, their running back Bellamy is a, he's a game changer. Uh, he's a guy that could get drafted, I think, in the NFL this year. I think he's had seven touchdowns already this year. Something wow. insane like that. They ranked thirty eighth uh, offensively in S and P plus. Yeah, they're they're not bad. They're they're not bad. But Syracuse and and they gave the ball away a couple times. Uh, Syracuse had a couple of very beneficial turnovers go their way. But 
all in all, I'm not upset with that. DeVito looked like a, a new man. Uh, they did what they needed to do. They beat him by 19, and the offense had a day. And hopefully, you know, obviously they're playing Holy Cross coming up this week. That's another good game to get a win. You know, they're back to 3-2, and two, and that's kind of a little bit where a lot of people thought they'd be at this point. And as far as I'm concerned, 8-4, and 7-5 and five are uh, still on the table. Excellent. I, I like that you mentioned Holy Cross because that is actually what Michigan got nailed to by Wisconsin this week. Oh my God. So Jeff, Jeff, do you want to? Jeff, do you want to cover? Uh, do you want to play Notre Dame? What are you talking? About? Jeff, do you yeah, want to talk an, about that? That's game in a few weeks. This? Yeah, I really don't have a whole lot to say. Um, I saw a great analogy on Twitter. Someone said it, it was like Michigan had their pants pulled down on national television, and you can use your imagination on whatever happened next. But um, just, I mean, just a. A dreadful game in all phases. Just, I don't know. There's, I think there's some issues. There's probably a lot of issues now in the locker room. The offense is sputtered after three games. You know, they brought in Josh Gaddis, and the offense has, has gotten worse, honestly, every game. Um, and the defense just got run over. I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor had 200 yards, and he missed a quarter. So <laughs> Yeah, it's outrageous. Uh, <laughs> now they do have Rutgers this week, so if there's anything that they can uh, – you know, bounce back with. I think it's good to have Rutgers, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really know where they go going forward. They have a lot of work to do. I can tell you what they saw when, uh, when you know, Michigan got their pants pulled down. It was Jim Harbaugh's. That's unfortunate. That's actually yeah. There's a lot of jokes to be made about sleepovers at recruits' houses too, and and I'm not I'm not going to go there. But I do want to. I would like to put a pin when Michigan eventually becomes bowl eligible and they play in a bowl. I want to have an episode on here to kind of see where Michigan goes from here, Jeff, with you and kind of a deep dive. Cause there's a lot of people that are, that are bailing on Harbaugh and I'm not totally sure it's his fault. I don't think he's adding to it, but I think it might be a general program. It's a program that feels poisoned and that needs to cleanse itself. I don't know how that happens. Or what that looks like. It's been going on for years, it seems like. Since Lloyd Carr. Yeah. Right? I don't yeah. That's a that's a really good point. And I don't like when you look at just his like numbers, I think he's the fifth or sixth winningest coach in the last five years. And his record, I think he wins like seventy five percent of his games, but you look at his record against Ohio State, dreadful, and I think he's like one in ten on the road against ranked teams. Yeah, it's it's not good. And the, he was kind of like that at Stanford. Like I think his road record was bad, but so a couple people have talked about like Michigan has is is achieving exactly where it should be. And I think I'm starting to kind of think it's true. Like they're not a top five program. Like I think some people think they are. I think they're like a fringe top ten program that wins most of its games and falls against better teams. Like that's kind of see what they are. I hate to say it, but yeah, I think they might be. They might be more peers with Penn State at this point, where they have the yeah. capability of ha- having a lot of wins, but they don't necessarily have they don't have that edge yet. And and I don't know if that comes that edge comes with another coach or you get lucky with the quarterback because I don't think Shea's it. Shea does not appear no. to be it. Nope. <laughs> and I don't know what the pipeline looks like there. I mean, the quarterback pipeline is good, but I I think the issue is Patterson has been hurt. It's getting worse in. I don't think he's going to be right the rest of the year. Like he's been banged up since week one. So when you have a hurt quarterback, it's and a hurt backup quarterback after that shot. Yeah, he's out this week, McCaffrey. So, so we'll see. Oh God, it's the McCaffrey kid is there, right? Yeah, one of them. Oh God, and he almost got beheaded by a Wisconsin defender. He did. It was it was brutal. <laughs> So some of the other night games that went on Saturday that I kept an eye on, Texas and Oklahoma State had a really fun one. I watched some of that game. It was there's there's two important notes that I wanted to make, one for each team. The first one for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders is absolutely the real deal at quarterback. And if he sticks around for two more seasons with Gundy and if Sean Gleason sticks around as the offensive coordinator, they're going to be really Really fun to watch. He's going to be the next Bobby Reed. He he's excellent, <laughs> and, and and he he can 
he can run it. Throwing it, he's still figuring it out, obviously, but he's a true fresh, or I'm sorry, a redshirt freshman. So he's still got time to pan that out with Oklahoma State. The other part, I thought, because Oklahoma State played really well, they, they came really close. This is a game that Texas loses five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, and last year. These are the games that Texas eventually loses. So for them to win, I don't know if, if quote, Texas is back or not. But I think but they're Herman, in better position than they've been in years. Well, last year around this time, Texas, I think, had lost to Maryland already. And Herman so was discussed as maybe not being the right guy. Because these big programs and the boosters are, are win-now type of people. And Herman's got them in the right direction. They really, like, he really does. And, and, and it actually segues perfect into the program he left, Houston, maybe being... Being in some trouble, <laughs> Jeff. We got news that uh, that Derek King was going to redshirt his senior year and then enter the transfer portal. Yeah, he's uh, he's hanging him up for the year. The game after he breaks Tim Tebow's records for most consecutive games with a rushing and a passing touchdown. And he's not injured, right? This is strictly a football no, life this, decision. This is Houston's getting their ass handed to him on a week week in week out basis. Uh, they, he wants to win. He doesn't want to be there doing it right now. He said that he wants to focus on school and, and getting his degree from what I saw in that quote from him and his dad, I think said the same. And I understand it. The writing is on the wall. Maybe Dana convinces him to stay and spend another year. But when you see your peers from a quarterback perspective, Go to top-notch programs and kill it. Eason doing well. Fields doing well. Now Bichelle doing well at SMU. Yep. Hell, Oklahoma's going to need another quarterback next year. Yeah, that's so. and it seems like Oklahoma. So I, I want to touch on that real quick. Who do we think right now that makes the most sense for him? Is it Oklahoma because Hertz is going to be gone after a year? I mean, it would be pretty on brand for them to do that. I just don't think that they do, not with uh, what, Rattler. There, yeah. yeah, as a sophomore, Rattler's the only reason I think it might not happen. If nothing else, also Lincoln Riley is going to be at some point. He's got to say, "Hey, I can't just keep getting. I can't do this to my quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I can't just do it over and over again." I really would like to see him go to a Power Five team. I think, and in terms of impact for me. If he walked on, all things being equal, if the season is panning out like we think it is, this we're four weeks in, Wisconsin seems like a really fun opportunity, maybe. The uh, quarterback they have is only a sophomore, I think. The closest Wisconsin's come to a national championship was with Russell Wilson. And that's the only reason why I think Wisconsin could think about that. Hmm. I want, okay, this is what I want. I want him to find himself up in the Pacific Northwest at Oregon after Justin Herbert goes. Ooh, that's Ooh. really that's a really good one, actually. I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> It'd almost be a shame because Cristobal seems to be putting a governor on that offense because they should have smacked Stanford, and they did defensively, but offensively, I think they're kind of on cruise control right now. Okay, Jeff, who would you like to see him land with? No. Tua, is Tua going to be gone this year? How ironic would it be if he went to Bama? I don't think he'll do that. But If Bama brought in a transfer quarterback? Transfer. That, that's not a bad choice. And honestly, if Trevor Lawrence was a year older, I'd put Clemson on that list possibly too. Yeah. I floated the idea that maybe Florida State, if Kendall Bryles sticks around for more than a year, then he could reunite with him. And I think that could that was his most productive season especially now that he's redshirting this one. But Kendall Bryles could do some fun things at Florida State as long as Willie Taggart's still there too. And Bryles is around the offense because they've they've improved dramatically as an offense, even though they look kind of helter-skelter in a lot of other ways. What, what about when uh, Tennessee fires Jeremy Pruitt and decides that they need to go with another quarterback? You just made me think of Kendall Bryles to Tennessee, and I don't want anything else than that right now. That sounds like a <laughs> lot of fun. That sounds like a blast, actually. 
that actually does kind of sound fun. It probably seems a bit on brand too. Actually, there'd be a lot of angry people for some reason, and it wouldn't get done after you know after they announce it. It would be really fun. <laughs> they didn't. They ended up hiring Art Briles instead, <laughs> really, and really pissing everybody off. Blaine Kevin comes back as an OC. <laughs> Blaine Kevin with Kendall Briles, man, again that could. But it's roles reversed. That actually is a is a really that's a great future. It's <laughs> the worst future. Jeff, you you watched more of the jo- Georgia Notre Dame game than I did. What did you think? It was kind of an interesting game. It was really like a defensive struggle, and it was kind of weird too because Georgia was, I think they were trying to play it safe, and they kept you and I kind of talked about this. They kept just getting gashed by crossing routes from Notre Dame is really bizarre but other than that they like they really held them it was kind of like one of those things where they move a lot between the 20s but then when they get in the red zone they just shut them down but it was impressive I mean Georgia defensively I think is really strong offensively I they're not as good as they've been in recent years I know they have uh, DeAndre Swift and he's electric he's special um, but um, Fromm is just it might be the way the offense is designed, but he's just—he's kind of a game manager. Like that's—I hate that saying, but that's just what he's like. But maybe when you're that talented, you can do that. I don't know. I—I th- I think it's—it's un—it's unfair from only the viewer's perspective that we don't get to see guys like from really chuck the ball that often. Yeah. Because I think he has the talent to do it, but Kirby is not—he's not willing to go on that type of offense. At least at this point, yeah. right? At some point, Saban met, had a breaking point. He's like, cool, whatever. Just run whatever as long as we're winning. And then his offense all of a sudden becomes fun overnight almost when Tua jumps in there. Well, it's also that they're, they've they been riding the hot hand of really good running backs for the last, you know, five Six years. years yeah. yeah, so where does that development come from if it's not in the offseason, right? Because it's not yeah. necessarily – they're not needing to pass a whole lot except for the two or three games in the conference, you know, that they'll play. And and Notre Dame, in this case, Fromm ended up having a pretty good day, I think. And he had a pretty yeah, great touchdown the the pass game. to go ahead. Yeah. And those are the games that Georgia ends up finding a way to lose. Especially against your Alabama. That that the way yeah. Georgia beat Notre Dame is the exact same way I could see them losing to Alabama. Hard fought sticking in there and then of course in the fourth quarter their offense is 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 more electric it's better but it's not enough to eventually push them to a win and it felt like brian kelly and kirby smart both have a problem when it comes to pushing the envelope early with an offensive game plan with and and they might speak to book or from but it feels like they're content doing the check down running Maybe running doesn't work. We do another crossing route, another three-yard pass, and eventually maybe we'll wear down that defense and we can start going for bigger plays. But that's not going to always work when you're playing insane offenses like you're going to encounter in, the, in college football. Yeah. Yep. Do we have any last week four talking points before we jump into the picks for this week? What about Auburn and A&M? Ooh, yeah. You know what? That's a good point. Let's talk about Auburn and A&M. Auburn handled that game in the first quarter, and AM made it abundantly clear that Mond is their only choice on offense right now. They lost their, their running back to an injury, I think, last game, and his name escapes me right now. But Mond trying to do it himself, and he's not good enough to do it himself. He's just not. To me, it just felt like, yeah, you're right. Auburn, it felt like Auburn knocked him out of the game in the first half. I, I didn't have any time during that second half where I thought that uh, Auburn was going to end up blowing that game. Yeah, they had it in hand. It, it felt like they had it yeah. in hand from the very beginning. Yeah, didn't uh, like nothing scared me about it. It was incredibly impressive for Auburn to walk into Kyle Field, and I mentioned on our picks last week, I thought the game would be too big for Bo Nix because he's young and because Kyle Field's hard to play it. And I thought that was going to end up being the difference. But... The player whose name escapes me is Joshua Corbin for AM. And without a killer running game. The game is too big for Kellen Mond. And, and AM's offensive line is not where it needs to be. Ring a bell if it sounds familiar, Florida State. Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> the offensive line wasn't 
prepared to be able to handle the Auburn defense. Mond is a one-for-three type of passer where he puts an incredible touch on a ball, and then he just throws two duds back-to-back. This wasn't going to be their year anyways, and if there's any evidence of that, it's LSU doing what they're doing. There was no way A&M had a chance in the long run to win this division. Oh, between LSU and a- and uh, Alabama. Right. Yeah, just to say the least. Yeah. Right, just those two teams. But then you also lose to Auburn, and there's still a loss in there somewhere to another team, I think. Because it doesn't look to be – A&M doesn't look to be offensively equipped to be able to win games consistently in the SEC. Now, to me, A&M going like 8-4, and four, I'd find that to be an, a successful season. Eight and four, nine and three, but those fans down there do not think so. So here's my question: Let's say that I know this is only what year two, year two, Jimbo Fisher. Yep. Let's say that he continues down this path of winning eight, nine games a year, but they're not really contending for the for the championship, the uh, the um, SEC West championship. Even when does when does the honeymoon period uh, end? They've got ten years to figure it out. I was going to say, he's got an insane contract. Yeah, but uh, they also, you know, already hung one of his national championship banners, so. <laughs> but they gave him a trophy, didn't they? Get- <laughs> yeah, they gave him a trophy for the championship that he's eventually going to win. So with, with Sumlin and with Johnny Manziel, they finished 9-4, and four, and they were 4-4 four and four in the conference on Johnny's best season. If he consistently wins nine games, I don't know how you as an Aggie fan convince yourself Jimbo's the right dude if you think you should be challenging for national championships. Here's the thing. I just think it's that they're delusional where they think that they need to be challenging for national championships year in, year out. I just don't see them on that level. I think there's seven teams in the SEC that see themselves at that level, though, which is the and and, and three of which actually have something. Auburn every third yeah. year, Alabama always, <laughs> Georgia always, Florida thinks they LSU should be every, there. LSU every LSU year. LSU every five years. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's just, and that's not even counting when Mississippi State goes for a run, or yeah. when it, whenever Tennessee decides to come back and do something. There's the SEC truly is a stacked conference, and yeah. even when all when the teams Ole Miss decide that like they're going to do something, yeah, when their sanctions are over, eventually they're going to they're going to catch fire again, right? They're going to at least yeah. be decent. They're I, done I, now, are they? Are they done already? I thought they had yeah. one more year. I thought they just did a one year ban. I think it was a one year self imposed, and then two year overall, maybe. I'll, I'll look it up right now. They get a two year bowl ban. And that's including this year. Okay. I believe. This article's from December 2017. Well, I say that. That was the additional year. Was last year. So maybe you're right. Maybe they're bouncing back from it. Anyone that's an old Miss fan that understands this shit more, please add us run pot option on Twitter. Because <laughs> In fact, I'm, Hugh, Hugh Freeze. Get a hold of us. Houston Nut, From please at us. Uh, unfortunately, I can't. Javon Seed can't let us know, and oh, I do, oh, I no. do, I do Too want to soon. touch on day. it. I do want to mention that I was extremely bummed. I ran to both of you guys with this news because Javon Sneed, for whatever reason, was special to me, and I think it was because there was a time where. I believe a lot of Texas fans thought he was better than I think it was Colt McCoy that he was going up against. And he He was a, your Juice Williams. He, yeah, he was <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, and if you're in a similar situation as Javon Sneed, please seek help. Uh, we're gonna yeah. end we're gonna end week four on that note and we're gonna jump into the week five picks. Are you ready, boys? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. So let's go over what happened last week. Last week, uh, Jeff was not here. He was in Vegas. So he got Corwin's picks. Uh, check out Corwin at Juicing the Numbers. That's not the Twitter. That's the podcast name. <laughs> Just It's ju- at Juicing Pod. <laughs> Corwin picked for Jeff a 7-5 and five week. I picked 8-4, and four, and Kyle picked 5-7. and seven. 
Hey, sounds about right. That was my week for picks anyways. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough one again, but it's okay. There's plenty of time to rebound for the all-time standings nope. this week. I'm sorry, the all-time standings this year. Uh, Marty, me, stands at 27 and 21. Jeff at 26 and 22. And Kyle at 21 and 27. Plenty of time to make that up. So let's yes. jump into the teams. Let's jump into the games. Let's jump into the matchups. Don't call it a comeback. Don't. Oh, you know what? If If Kyle, let's set a bet up right now. Jeff, I need, uh, Jeff, I need you to write this down. Okay. If Kyle wins the picks for the year, we need to have a bet payoff. Okay. For the show, I would like that bet payoff to be one of us have to record the entire show in the nude. It's an audio medium. <laughs> There's nothing not, that's going to be changed. Yeah, wait. He says I'm not doing that right now. Yeah, what do you mean have to? Well, this is... This turned out to be a very uh, illuminating situation because I too am naked and and afraid that we all are actually. The first game we got is Penn State. This is the, no, this is the run nude option. <laughs> uh, Penn oh, State at Maryland. Penn State are eight point favorites. Who do you got? At Maryland. Hmm. Yeah, Maryland are eight-point dogs at home after a disappointing loss to Temple and both of them coming off a bye week, which I can't remember the last time that happened in a game that I was pick, picking on. It's two bye weeks leading up to it. That happened in the Michigan game this week, too. Michigan and Wisconsin both had the bye week? Yeah, before. Well, then let me change my pick to the home team. because <laughs> Are these bye weeks earlier than they usually are? I thought they were always later in the year. They have two, typically, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Syracuse is coming up. Uh, I think after Holy Cross, hmm. so they'll need it um, after that. Yeah, need to rest after that one. Um, <laughs> God, don't no. Now they're gonna fucking lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got Penn State covering. I'm gonna say Maryland covers. I'll take Maryland too. I think they I don't bounce really back. like Penn State that much. I really just don't. They're inconsistent. Both teams have proven to be this early in the season, yeah. which is why I'm just yeah. I'm hedging my bets that Penn State's really good defense is going to throw Maryland for a loop and and really put some pressure on Jackson. In Maryland, I think that they cover. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they lose, but you know, like a three point win or something like that for Penn State, I could see that all day long. Yeah. The over under is at fifty eight and a half. Where do you think that actually ends up? Do you think it goes over? Because I think it stays under. I think it's ugly. I think I think it's under too. Yeah, give me under on that one. Cool. All right, so let's jump. I'm going to pick them kind of willy-nilly in no particular order here. Virginia at Notre Dame. Notre Dame are 11-point favorites. So Notre Dame, after being two touchdown underdogs, cover against Georgia, and they're nearly two touchdown favorites against Virginia, who just narrowly beat Old Dominion. Oh, I hate doing this, but let's go. I'm going to go Notre Dame. At home. Yeah. You know, I think they're going to get a little home cooking. They always do. Yeah, I I could see that being a two-touchdown game. I'm going to go with Virginia, and it's only going to be the body blow theory. I think that the Georgia is going to have Notre Dame not as prepared for this game as they typically would be if they are playing Middle Tennessee State, for instance. The over-under on that is 50. Do you guys think they... What do you think that score is? God, I, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't break 40. I'm saying like a 24-10 <laughs> game or something. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or just 19-17, like a... something that's just really ugly. <laughs> I won't watch one minute of that. Yeah, I don't think so. That, that's second screen at best material, just based off the rest of this lineup. I refuse to put anything Notre Dame on NBC up there because it supports their TV deal. We've got Iowa State. At Baylor, Baylor are three and a half point favorites. And Matt Rule has the Bears uh, really rocking, honestly, this year. They've looked really good. Give me Baylor. Okay, cool. I've got Baylor to cover as well. Baylor. I feel like, and I just, I don't want to dive too much into it. Brock Purdy was insane against Louisiana Monroe. A, that's Louisiana Monroe, but it, it does feel like Matt Campbell's figured out what to do with all that talent that's left, and it's to drive Brock Purdy into an early grave. 
and, and I don't and I don't think I think he probably stays up through Baylor. It would really surprise me if all things stay equal that he lasts the rest of the year because that is he's taking a lot of snaps and a lot of hits still. We've got Kansas State at Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State are seven and a half point favorites. That's a tough one. Ooh man. Kansas State is ranked too. Wow. Give me Kansas State to cover. All I gotta do is lose by a touchdown. I've got Kansas State as well. Yeah. I'll take I like, Oklahoma State, be the contrarian. Um, okay. Like I like Oklahoma State, but I feel like, you know, coming off of a you know, kind of a high but also an emotional letdown, you know. Yeah. Not beating Texas. I can see this as being kind of a letdown game, you know, but it's not really a letdown game because Kansas State's ranked. So I could see them, you know, just not taking it seriously because it's Kansas State. But Yeah, I, th- I, th- I see Kansas State as a team that's not particularly great, but they f- they seem well prepared. And I think that Oklahoma State... To keep a game close. Oklahoma State always seems like the opposite type of team where it doesn't seem like they're ever prepared. They're just kind of like the Joker card. And they can be wild-ass one game and then awful in another. And that goes half Oklahoma to half. Oklahoma State is the... <laughs> Oklahoma State is the mullet of football teams. <laughs> they really are the mullet of football teams. Sometimes sometimes that offense looks like it's business in the front, and other times it looks like it's party in the back. And Mike Gundy is the perfect coach for them. Truly. Forever. God, Forever. God that thing's back, too. It looks great. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on it. He's got a bit and it works for him. <laughs> We've got Cincinnati. Right. Cincinnati at Marshall and Marshall are two and a half point underdogs at home. Wow. I expect this to be an incredibly ugly offensive game for both teams. I haven't seen a lot about Marshall this year. They played Boise State earlier in the year, and their offense looked really bad. They got but their shut defense, out, didn't they? They might have only scored once, and it might have been a defensive score. I'd have to look. But. Their defense looked fantastic. Give me Marshall. From what I've seen from Cincinnati, Cincinnati, they weren't that impressive to me. So. Okay, they lost to Boise State fourteen to seven at Boise State. <laughs> I got Cincinnati to cover the two and a half points because it feels little sounds right. Yep, nice ten to seven game. Yeah, just, yeah. See, I, I, I'm basically picking Marshall to uh, to win outright, right there. At Marshall, I think at this point you can probably say that they're maybe the best team in West Virginia right now, <laughs> <laughs> or at least consistently. Well, they, they're kind of close to close to each other, right? Cincinnati, Marshall. Yeah, they're really close. Cincinnati's on the border yeah. of Kentucky, I believe, but it's not a sh- it's yeah. a short drive to it's, Marshall. Yeah, it's probably a few hour yeah. trip. Yeah. So I mean, it, I feel like that that home crowd is probably going to be rocking, ready to go, amp up that defense. Cool. I'm actually. I think I might actually watch that game. Yeah. We've got Texas A and M at Arkansas. This game is in Arlington, Texas, and. Arkansas are 22-point underdogs. Oh, Jesus. Fresh off a loss to San Jose State. Wow. Remember how we were talking about the Uh, SEC being really good? (laughs) Poor Arkansas. (laughs) Chad Morris, I don't know whose fault it is at this point anymore, honestly. I've got A&M to cover. Man, I really want to pick A&M, but for the same reasons of, you know, it's all on Kellen Mond. But Arkansas is really bad. Give me AM. I'll take Arkansas. Woo pig suey. Jeff is going with Arkansas. Yep. Trying to make some moves. He's either going to look like a genius or AM's going to beat him by 44 and just double up the spread. <laughs> yeah. We have Washington State at Utah. Utah are eight point favorites. Utah coming off the loss to USC, Washington State. Obviously, that UCLA game we talked about earlier. And. I want to stress this enough. Washington State has won this game four weeks in a, or four years in a row. Give me Wazoo. Washington State. We've got 
Speaking of USC, USC at Washington. Washington are eight-point favorites. There's something going on at USC right now, and I'm going to drink a bit, a bit of the Kool-Aid and say that they cover. <laughs> I've got everybody high on Graham Harrell. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, when you combine Graham Harrell with awesome talent, it's pretty easy result. <laughs> They're not as dog shit as I thought they'd be. It's like a Chia pet. You just have to add a little bit of water, just a little bit of offensive ability or offensive coaching, and all of a sudden... <laughs> Ooh, this one's tough. I've got Washington to cover, and, and it's not in a knock against USC. I just feel like USC is also at that stage where they can beat anybody and lose to anybody, given in the Pac-12, and this is going to be a low point like them losing to Brigham Young. Let's see. USC won last time they played. Mm. And it's at Washington. Oh, man. This is a perfect, like, after a great game, this is a perfect chance for USC to fall flat on, flat on space. I'll take Washington. We've got Ohio State at Nebraska. This is your game day game. And Nebraska are 15-point underdogs after narrowly defeating Illinois. Ohio State. Can you say that louder yeah, again, Jeff? Ohio State. What? Can you say that again louder? Can you spell out the Ohio first state? Can you spell out the first word real quick? <laughs> I will not. Can you dot the I? <laughs> Ohio speaking, State will probably beat them by twenty. Speaking speaking of dotting the I, we have Rutgers hot off scoring a touchdown and the quarterback being punched by his own offensive lineman at, <laughs> at Michigan. Michigan are twenty nine point favorites. Give me do Rutgers. We think, do we think Michigan scores twenty nine <laughs> points? <laughs> I do. I've do got, you? I've, yeah. I've, I've got Michigan to cover. Now, they last year, I think they played at Rutgers, and it took Michigan a while to get warmed up. So I think you're in New Jersey. Well, yeah, playing in an empty stadium, but yeah, I don't. I think Michigan will win, but I don't think it'll be 29 points. Unfortunately, oh, Piscataway, New Jersey. It's the first place of college football. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, God. Kyle, who can do you I have? Say that, can I say that neither of them cover? You just It's going to be a push. Oh. It's going to be exactly 29 points. It's going to be 29 to nothing. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's going to... Uh, I've got Michigan oh, to cover. I don't like this at all. I know. I heard. I. You know, I give me Rutgers. I don't trust Michigan at all. Y'all both disgust me. Just absolutely disgusting. No, you know what? No, give me Michigan. You know, the, Michigan's going to be pissed off. The spreadsheet, the spreadsheet is written in ink, pal. I'm sorry. Uh. No, it's not. It's written in, it's written in keystrokes. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering where he's going to go with that. <laughs> it's written in zeros and ones. Binary. Uh, <laughs> we have we have UConn. These are our two surprise games. We've got UConn at Central Florida. Oh, I believe there was. I believe this rivalry was called something, and it was the. Uh, was it the civil conflict? It was a. It was. It was a, the civil conflict trophy, which was the saddest, the saddest trophy you've ever seen, and I don't know why they started it. UConn in Central Florida? Yes. Yeah, because Why? it was it was called the Civil Conflict, but it had a capital FL and a capital C T. Oh God. Oh God. It was oh. something it was something that the American Athletic tried to do, I think, when they first started. Tried to promote UConn? Yeah, trying or or UCF. I don't know. Uh UCF's got a four and two record over the six matchups. <laughs> yeah, you, UCF is already over. They're trying to get UConn over. So I've got UCF covering the forty points. Forty is the over under, or the? Oh, God. I'm sorry. Forty is what UCF is favored by. Oh my God! That's how ba- UConn barely has a football team right now. Aren't they three one? They're improved, but they are still one year removed from being like a historically bad defense. Oh man! 
I don't even know where to look up UConn's record because they're not listed under American anymore. <laughs> they're independent now, aren't they? They're one and two. Oh. They have beaten the Wagner Seahawks 24 to 21. Traditional power. Traditional power. Regional power, even. Illinois, they lost 31 to 23, and they lost to oh, Indiana God. 38 to 3. Ooh. They lost by 35 points to Indiana. At Indiana. Give me Central Florida. Yeah. I think I'd take UConn's Central Florida. UConn's not going to have a fucking football team. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. Is Randy Edsel still there? Yes, he is. He is. Oh, God. Well, define there. I'm out of his misery. Is he, is he in, coaching? He's he has in a, stores. He has a parking he's, spot there. He's in stores, Connecticut, right now. They're going to name a building after him. You know, they don't already. To think, they probably to think he could have been Syracuse's head coach. Might have gone to the Fiesta Bowl that way. No, this is years ago. This is, this is the, uh, the Greg Robinson years. Berg. Might have been a better hire. I would have been a better hire. Possibly. So I think... 23-year-old me would have been a better hire at that point. And I was a shithead at 23. You were. I can I can attest to that. <laughs> you saw it. So our final week five pick, I think is low-key going to be maybe one of the most fun games. And I'm going to actually, before I mention it, I'm going to look at what channel this is played on. Because if I don't get it, I'm going to be a little upset. Let's take a look here. We have got... I hope it's ESPN Plus. Ooh, He's no. asking me for his... I have ESPN Plus. <laughs> I don't need your password anymore, sir. Uh, mm. It is going to be on ESPN at 9.30 p.m. Central Time, which means it's going to be Passed on at, at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And that is going to be UCLA. UCLA with Dorian Thompson-Robinson against Arizona and Khalil Tate. Arizona are nine-point favorites. UCLA just shot their load. Arizona State's going to cover. It's just Arizona. Arizona's going to cover. Either <laughs> Arizona State's going to be the third team. They both kind of, um, honestly, Arizona State shot their load, too. Uh, give me Arizona. to cover. Oh, boy. Arizona beat Texas Tech last week. I don't know if Arizona's pulling it together, but it seems like Khalil Tate is not as bad as he was last year. So... Someone is paying attention again. Yeah. He quit hitting the booze. Uh, I'll take Arizona. Excellent. I am the only one that has UCLA to cover. I think it's going to be another shit show. I think it's going to be me at 2.30 hating myself again. and <laughs> But this time it's going to be 22 to 20. It's not going to be nearly as fun. <laughs> it's just going to be a lot of quarterbacks running. Are you going to be trying to get your get your child to go back to sleep watching that game. Yeah, that's honestly that was a real <laughs> that was a real concern about midway through that fourth quarter because Remy did kind of wrestle around in her bed and I heard her kind of like cry like she was about to do it. I'm just like, cool, this is either the best thing that could happen to me or the worst because if that had happened, I would have just gone to bed afterwards. Instead, <laughs> instead I stayed up and wanted to die with each passing second. You, you could have both sat up and watched it and just cried in delirium. At that point. Yeah, both both with bags under our eyes. My nose is well, still well, bleeding. They're, well, they're just showing pictures of Gardner Minshew up there because he's in the crowd. Just over and over and over again. It was honestly, <laughs> I, I'm tapped out on the Gardner Minshew stuff. And, and I think that's a good spot to end on this week. Fellas, do you have any week five notes as it comes up? Uh, man, just watch out for that Syracuse Holy Cross game. It's going to be a barn burner. Please beat Rutgers, Jeff. Mm. Is that what you were going to say? Well, let's hope. That's all I can say. <laughs> wow. The, the, uh, the confidence, the confidence just oozing out of you. Guys, follow us at RunPodOption on Twitter. And when you do that follow, go ahead and tweet at us. Send us your thoughts and prayers for Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he could benefit from it. Y'all have a great rest of the week and have a good week five. Bye. Peace. Say bye, Kyle. No, bye. <laughs> Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. 
And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at JuicingPOD.